I used to sort of be really scared of meeting kids, if that makes any sense. I remember asking like a three-year-old, do you know how steam engines work? Because I was trying to think, I was like, what do three-year-olds want to talk about? Like, and I sort of feel the same about um, dogs. This week on Walking the Dog, I went for a stroll with the fabulously talented comedian, actor and writer Izzy Sutty. Now, Izzy doesn't have a dog herself. In fact, she's actually not a big fan of dogs. So I was determined to see if my dog Raymond could win her over. Come on, everybody loves Raymond. Izzy took us to London's Crystal Palace Park, where we had the loveliest chat about her childhood in Matlock, how she knew she wanted to perform from a really early age, and why she just adores doing stand-up. We also chatted about her acting roles and everything from Peep Show to Man Down. And she told me the sweetest story about falling in love with her partner, the stand-up and radio broadcaster Ellis James. Izzy's also a brilliant writer. I just read her latest novel, Jane is Trying, which I totally loved. It's a really funny, beautifully written story about relationships, families and just struggling to navigate life, really. So do order a copy now because you won't put it down. I had the best time with Izzy. She's got this incredibly kind and just good-natured energy, but she's also hilarious. And best of all, she ended up falling kind of in love with Raymond. I really hope you enjoy our chat. Remember to rate, review and subscribe. I'll stop talking now and hand over to the woman herself. Here's Izzy and Raymond. Mind if I get a, a bottle of water? Come on, let's get, I was going to get one, let's go. Oh. What do you think so far? Well, actually, I don't feel like he's a dog. I hope that doesn't sound... <laughs> he's like a new creature. Like half dog, half um, upholstery, maybe? <laughs> he's very cat-like as well, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he is, yeah. But he's not... I sometimes find cats can be a bit arch. Um, and I don't feel like he's like that. I know it's early days, but... You say that, he's arching his back, and we know what that means. He's doing a poo. What a lo lovely little ray poo. I'm really proud of his poos, actually. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure I, w I would be. Let's go in this cafe, Izzy. Should we get some... I'll get you some water. Oh, that's my phone. They're being got rid of instantly. Who are they? I'm just in the middle of recording a podcast in the Crystal Palace. Can I call you back, please? <laughs> Sorry, this is Jonathan Ross saying the world doesn't need oh, any more podcasts. say hello from me. <laughs> when will you people stop? Okay. <laughs> is that enough? Okay, have you got all that? Thank you. <laughs> I'll call you later. Bye. Let's grab a water. Yes, mask. Oh, oh. Izzy, let me get it. Yeah, I'm glad you like him, Izzy. Oh, I do. I mean, okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna um, redo my definition of him. A quarter dog, a quarter upholstery, and I mean like um, a valance, you know, that goes around the bed. Um, a quarter baby, human baby, and a quarter cat. Yes, I think that, I love that description of him. So you're quite scared of dogs, are you? Yeah, and I was trying to think about I was listening to John Bradley's brilliant episode, and he's scared of dogs, isn't he? And you, I thought he responded very well to Ray. And um, when I was listening to it, I was thinking, what is it that's made me scared of dogs? Because he had an incident with his grandma where there was a big dog, wasn't there, blocking their way? And I thought, did I have something like that? 
And it's possible that I did and I can't remember it. I think I feel a bit weird about the slobber yeah. thing. You know when people kiss their dogs yes, and stuff? Yes, I know. Um, but, but Ray doesn't really do slobber. No, I can see that. Hello. Where should we go, Izzy? I think we should go round this bit because it's quite a nice okay. walk. I sometimes run well, around Let's go here. It's nice. Come on, Raymond. Hey, come on, Ray. Can you give Izzy a smile? Oh, no, he's he not loves performing. you. Oh, I, well, you know, I've raised him to be very codependent. That's the way anything <laughs> should be raised. Children, dogs, everything. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to get something back. I'm going to introduce you formally. I'm really excited. I love this woman. And I'm so thrilled she agreed to do this. I'm with the very fabulous comic, actor, writer, musician all-round superhuman, Izzy Sooty, or Izzy Sutty. Now, I say it in a sort of Matlock accent. No, I, go, I Izzy like the way. Sutty. Yeah, I but I know it's spelt Sutty, but I like to put an accent on it. I know, I like that. <laughs> I think it's a schwa. That's what the uh sound is in phonetics. It's called schwa. I think it's Sutty. The problem with growing up in Matlock and it being Sutty, which everyone said, is that I got a lot of sooty and sweet jokes, especially as they say, Izzy Wizzy, let's get busy on the sooty show. So it was like a double whammy. You're um, ISY, aren't you? This is a thing which I like that you're ISY. Well, thanks. To me, it was really logical because my name's Isabel. I just took off the O-bell and put on a Y. There was a short period where I wanted to be called IJ because my middle name's Jane. I think I've read a lot of American books like <laughs> Sweet Valley Highland. I want to be called IJ. It sounds like an international visa form. Yeah. It doesn't work, <laughs> is it? So you went for Izzy. I like Izzy. Yeah, and there was a period as well where it was spelled I double Z I, and then I decided that was ridiculous. And um, so for me, it's logical the spelling of it because I haven't added a letter to my name that isn't there unless it's completely necessary, i.e. the Y. But I do get called Issy a lot, like Issy Miyaki. Well, let's... Do you want to set the scene for us? We've come... I've come to see you in Crystal Palace. Yeah, we're in Crystal Palace Park, um, which is massive. And we're walking along a... It's like a dust track, isn't it? It's white... A white stone track. Around, it feels like there should be a pond to our left, but there isn't. It's just an yeah. expanse of grass. And we can see Crystal Palace transmitter. Oh, IJ, I spotted that. Did you? <laughs> Did you, ER? <laughs> yeah. Imagine I just always call you that now. I'd love it I, if only to. you called me IJ. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so we're in... Crystal Palace and talk me through this is your manor isn't this it? is my manor yeah this is so this is like a lot of people know this part when you say you live in Crystal Palace they're like oh yeah Crystal Palace the dinosaurs because there are these stone dinosaurs that are quite famous um, which we could probably walk past if you want um, and the really annoying thing about the dinosaurs is you can't really go near them they're across water and oh, for the best though yeah probably this park, IJ, really appeals to him. Look. Well, the thing is, ER, he um, is leaping, isn't he, with joy. Yeah. Which is what my rabbit used to do. And there's actually a name for it when rabbits do it. I can't remember the name of it, but it's called um, 
collapsing or something like that when all their feet leave the ground at the same time and it means they're so full of joy and my rabbit clover used to do it which is the only real pet i've ever had clover well i want to talk about your childhood pets because we should establish you and your fiance yeah Probably you and your forever. fiance yeah. your forever fiance <laughs> ellis FF. yeah um you don't have any pets do you we don't have any pets. We live in a split-level maisonette, and I know it's called that because we're going to be putting it on the market soon. I used to call it a flat. Um, <laughs> may I suggest duplex? <laughs> Can I say parquet flooring? Can I say it's got parquet flooring, but just covered with dirty carpet, and I'll never find out till we leave that <laughs> there's no parquet flooring. <laughs> um, so that's no reason, I guess, not to have like a goldfish or something, but we are going to move, or we are going to get a garden, and then we've promised my daughter that will get a rabbit or a cat tell me through your pets did you have you had you mentioned rabbits so i had clover that was my rabbit and i remember that we got her from a family friend and i was probably about 10 and um this is quite disgusting but i'm going to tell you the full story i don't care anymore um now i'm ij i just don't care about people knowing this truth so basically my dad bless him built converted a chest of drawers into a rabbit hutch so he took off the doors it wasn't just a chest of drawers it was a kind of welsh dresser with drawers in the top and then cupboards at the bottom he took off the cupboard fronts and put wire across so it was a hutch essentially with drawers at the top and storage um, above the drawers so we could put all her hay and her food and stuff in in the storage bit and then she lived in the hutch and it was my duty to clean the hutch out which I didn't ever do so I was a real fair weather owner and I used to love playing with her and I used to put her on my chest and zip up my cardigan so that just her head was poking out I bet Ray would like this and I'd lie on the sofa on my back and she'd just go to sleep and it was so lovely and I still remember that sensation of like stroking her fur between her eyes and down her ears and she used to fall asleep and her head just fitted perfectly in my palm and it was so lovely but I did not want to do any of the boring stuff so I never cleaned out the hutch and I never fed her so dad used to get home from work every day at exactly the same time and he used to put his head round the door and say you're Scottish has anybody fed that bun and no I used to go no and then he used to go and feed her and she hated dad for some reason she used to try and bite his fingers so he would get her food out of these drawers that he'd lovingly converted and he was so dutiful, um, oh, but she didn't he got like nothing him. back from that. Nothing. And so you had the experience of pet ownership, but you didn't. You didn't. You weren't a dog or a cat family. No, I don't think we were. And I think perhaps if if mum and dad had, dad had bred rabbits as a child, actually in Scotland, mm. and he had a little Scotty dog who he adored when he was younger, and there are loads of photos of it. Um, it was a boy, I can't maybe called Jock. He was white. And um, I think Dad probably would have liked to get a dog, but I don't know. Mum is not really a dog person, although my grandma, her mum, did have a big uh, black Labrador called Judy. Mm. So when I was growing up, I did have contact with a dog, but for some reason, I have got this innate fear of them. Um, 
and I can't really pin it down to one specific incident but I I think it might be you know that thing of like before I had kids I didn't know if I'd ever have kids and then I met Ellis and thought oh we'll give it a go I used to sort of be really scared of meeting kids if that makes any sense because I used to think they would just think I was a twat <laughs> and I used to sort of and used to try and make small talk with them because I'd be like I remember asking like a three-year-old do you know how steam engines work because I was trying to think I was like what do three-year-olds want to talk about like and I sort of feel the same about um dogs I feel like what do I do I don't know I think maybe it's just literally not having spent any time with them um and it's like anything isn't it it's like if you said would you like to try windsurfing I'd go oh I I haven't got the first clue about it so I know what you mean. There is something quite incredibly sort of upsetting. Actually, almost. let's go down here yeah, and I'll show you the dinosaurs. Yeah, do... what about, something about being rejected you... by a child? Yeah, or a dog. Yeah. No, or a dog. Meet... No, absolutely. If you meet yeah. a kid and I've had that where they go, I don't like that lady. Yeah. <laughs> or something, which happens quite a lot. Or the dog. It happens to be too a lot. <laughs> I think I haven't done anything. I'm innocent. I'm an innocent Yeah, exactly. Woman. Do you have this thing where sometimes, so when my kids were babies, people just touch them without asking you. And it's like, mm. oh, okay. I don't really mind it that much. But especially sort of old ladies will be like, oh, hello. <laughs> and you know, Betty's got red hair. Like, have you dyed her hair? And I'm like, no, she's two months old. Like, why would I? Do, do you, people like that guy just stroke rate do you have a feeling of being protective over him when people do that uninvited i do i mean it's you know i feel ridiculous comparing that to a kid but it's a no i I think it's really similar i still think um it's sometimes because he pulls a lot of focus socially yeah it's like i'm going out with justin bieber and i've lost him in the crowd it's like he's just been (laughs) swallowed up into a sea of fangirls and I've lost you're, him. You're just another person <laughs> queuing up to stroke him. But oh, that's why I'm really impressed you've come today because a mutual friend of ours, lovely Amanda, had actually warned me and said, um, "Is he's not? She's she's not hundred percent enthusiastic. I mean, like she did it in such a nice way. <laughs> that sort of I don't want to offend you. She, she can be a little nervous around dogs, and I said it's fine. I promise. Raise, but." I get it, actually. I think maybe it needs to be rephrased as I don't like big dogs. But, see, I did this episode of Peep Show where my character was... And my heart sank when I read these stage directions. It was, like, worse than if they said she has to be naked. It said that um, I had to, like, basically be in the park Mm. with um, Mark and a dog comes along and Dobby has to, like essentially like a sort of play wrestle with the dog and get as close to it as possible roll around and you see the character of Dobby was actually quite different from me and I that is exactly the kind of thing that Dobby would do but I was just kind of like oh my god so I went to talk to the producer and I was like and it was the first time I'd had to voice this fear of dogs because I'd been able to have I'd been avoiding them without really thinking about it if that makes sense so I hadn't really I wasn't really aware that I had this fear of dogs until I read this script and was like I, I just, um, I feel like I can't do this. I, it is actually a problem. So I went to the producer and I said, look, this is the situation. And he was really lovely and said, look, the, the dog handler will bring three dogs. And um, 
to sort of make things more tense there were some reporters there that day doing interviews with people which they never normally were so I felt like there were like more people on set than normal and I was just like okay Izzy come on for god's sake and I can be quite hard on myself sometimes I was like Jesus Christ you know you're in your 30s there is no incident to pin this on like there is with John Bradley whose episode I listened to and he talks about this moment with his grandma where there's this big dog blocking their way and I was like that is completely logical that you end up with this fear of dogs because of that I haven't got an incident like that that I can remember and I was like just just grow up just do it so in the morning they showed me these three dogs the first one so they showed me this first one they did it one by one you know I didn't see them all at the same time it would make quite a good um, game show, actually, wouldn't it? <laughs> so they showed me the first one, and I looked at it, and it looked very sweet, but I was just like, it's too big. So I said, I'm sorry, I, I just don't feel capable of doing it. Can you show me the next one, which I thought would be smaller? And they were like, that's the smallest one. <laughs> and if they'd done it the other way round, it, it would have been better, because I would have been like, oh, OK, no, that's really small compared to the first one. And it was such a sweet dog and they were all so lovely and supportive. They were like, Izzy, you can definitely do this. It's absolutely fine. You know, the dog has been on camera before. Mm. You know, he's not going to. Um, and I, I did manage to uh, kind of roll around a bit. I couldn't kiss it. Um, I, <laughs> I couldn't go near it. It's bum. I was like suddenly aware of like all the revolting aspects of dogs, like poo and saliva and stuff it's, it's really odd and then um i sort of managed to do a bit and i don't think it was brilliant but i did manage under the pressure of basically <laughs> a crew going come on you can do this it's basically yes. the size of a rat um but i did genuinely find it very hard and i was shaking and I felt really weird afterwards. Oh, and really? I know. There's a real phobia there, yeah, isn't there? Yeah, I think there is. It's odd. And um, no one made me do anything I didn't want to do. And if I'd said, actually, I'm sorry, you're going to have to get a body double, <laughs> just shoot her from behind, they would have absolutely done that. Like, they weren't going, you absolutely have to do this or you're not. But I said, no, I want to do it. Because actually, I thought that it would make me overcome my fear you know my sister's really scared of spiders and she went on a course i think at london zoo so how do they work it's with it's with exposure is it therapy? yes it's exposure therapy essentially i suppose um and she said that they build up to letting a spider crawl on their hands basically so i think they show them the spiders and then they probably build up to bigger ones and stuff uh, at the end you're supposed to let the spider go onto your hand ice creams do you know what an ice cream is he yeah, all right. Come on, shall we? Yeah, does Ray eat ice cream? Oh, yeah, he'll have a lick. But I don't... He's quite... He's quite restrained, really. Izzy, what would you like? I think I'd like... Oh, my God. I think I'll just have a single cone. Oh, a waffle cone. It's 50p more. Is that all right? That's right. Thank you. <laughs> I'll have a waffle cone, please. Thank Hello you. Hello, can I have one waffle cone? from my friend and I would like just a regular 99. Would you like any toppings on that strawberry chocolate? Oh yeah chocolate please. She would like chocolate. Thank you. There you go. I'm one of those people who I can't ever ignore an ice cream van. Bye bye. No I know. Are you like that? 
Yeah, I'm a bit like, you know, Prince Philip's advice to everyone was apparently, if you get the chance to go to the toilet, always go to the toilet. Hmm. And I feel that way about ice cream vans. That's brilliant advice. I know. Do you think it's because with royal engagements, maybe they have to go for long periods without going for yeah. a week? Oh, I love that advice. Mm, me too. Come on, Ray. So let's go back again. It's going well with Ray. We've got our ice creams. Beautiful sunny day here. I want to go back to IJ Junior mm. in Matlock. You didn't grow up in um, Matlock, did you? I, well, I moved there when I was six, so I sort of do consider it the place I grew up really. I was born in Hull and then moved to Chesson in Hertfordshire when I was two, then moved to Matlock when I was six. So I do really consider it my hometown. Yeah. Yeah. I sort of feel like now I got some insight into your childhood because I read your first book. We're going to talk about Jane is Trying, which I've just read, which, a spoiler alert, is absolutely brilliant. Um, but. The actual one was your, was, it was sort of, I, it was, was it fully autobiographical? I guess the elements I felt were semi-autobiographical because some names yeah. had been, and some situations names had to be changed. Yeah, and I, I didn't really like having to do that because it was kind of about my 20s, wasn't it, in dating and stuff. Mm. And I had this quandary constantly where I'd put stuff in about guys and then be like, oh God, you know, I would worry. I don't know if you felt like this as well, that people I knew would read it. So I became frustrated, actually, mm. with having to change things. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, 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 I enjoyed writing it, but I, I felt it, I was really loved writing a novel next because I could put in real people, um, but just change their gender or a few um, physical aspects of them and then they wouldn't recognise themselves, I hope. <laughs> Although yeah. the mum in Jane is Trying, which is a novel, is quite similar to my mum and I was really yeah. nervous when she read it. Um, but luckily she liked it. So, And she's always very honest, mum. She will just say if she thinks something isn't great that I've done, which is actually brilliant. Um, as long as she likes <laughs> As long as she likes the things. Oh, look at the birds, Lizzie. Oh, I wonder what they are. Are they more hens? I went on this course once about how to identify bird calls. Did you go through a phase in your life? Was that, where was that shortly after your sister's spider course? <laughs> like between us, we're doing every single course in London on. Like... <laughs> oh, he doesn't mind though, does he? Come on, Ray. So, yeah, so your parents, your dad was a scientist. My dad was a scientist, uh, was a specialist in lead and lead recycling, and that was his area. So he used to be abroad a lot when I was growing up, um, in America and Romania and places. Um, and my mum had been a nurse and then did lots of different jobs when, she, when we were little but mainly didn't, she didn't work that much, really. You had a sister? Yeah. You have a sister? I have a sister who's um, four years younger than me with the fear of spiders. A worse fear of spiders than me, and I've got a pretty bad fear of spiders. And I get the sense that you didn't have one of those, I've got to get out of here, you people are dragging me down experiences as a kid. Like, you were pretty happy as a kid and had, I just get the sense there was a, 
a nice family vibe you had um, growing up. Yeah, that's true. I did really want to get out, though. I did want to get out of Matlock. Yeah. Um, I, ha- I hate to say, because I love it and now write about it all the time mm. and um, want to move back there. But because it, I think as a teenager, wherever you are, you probably go, oh, this is boring. Mm. Um, but also, I just wanted to get to London and do performing. That was my, that was all that mattered. So I felt like I wanted to get to, at the very least, a city and probably London. And I actually moved out when I was uh, 17 into my best friend's house, which is only 10 minutes down the road. But, and did um, you, as a kid, most people I speak to who've been successful in performing, there, there is that thing of feeling different, isn't there? And slightly other and not quite like they're part of yeah, the I gang. Did, yes, I did feel like that, really. And um, I went to youth theatre from a really young age and I always just used to feel really shy um, and I, like when I was at home I would think I can do it I can do this audition I can and then as soon as I got in a big group I just wouldn't be able to do it and I'd always be on the back row and stuff like that so it took I just don't think I was very confident and I used to write all these songs so that was like my escapism and I couldn't imagine a single day going by without me playing the guitar back then I wrote so many songs and I'm so glad I had that. Um, but I was, I felt quite angsty and yes, I did feel like a misfit really. I had two really good friends who I'm still friends with, but I wasn't part of like a big group. You know, when you see those girls who are kind of, they seem so sorted and they're probably not inside, are they? But I wasn't one of those. I was on the tennis courts with all the other weirdos with, had Doc Martins that someone had, We'd got really, really stoned and someone had got a pair of shears, garden shears, and cut the soles up from the bottom. So they'd cut the toes off. <laughs> so my, my toes stuck out. But then also we cut the soles up so they were completely uneven on the bottom. So when I walked, it was just like there was no level. <laughs> Stuff like that. I mean, Did God. you have... Um... I'm thinking maybe borderline goth, bit of goth stuff. Yeah, yeah, I did. And I remember going, I went to a gig once. I wrote a lot of songs that were like, nothing is real and stuff like that. Nothing is real. Yeah, nothing is real. How did it go? Can you sing me a bar of nothing is real? Nothing is real for the world cries out and still we all are dying. Nothing is real. Something, something. Well, it was trying, dying, crying, something like Still the world is trying, the world is trying. I love that. It's got a bit of a Howard Jones, <laughs> early 80s vibe to it. <laughs> but you know, Izzy, I think it's really interesting because I, I basically, I wasn't quite in the pretty team because I wasn't rich enough or tall enough or cool enough or pretty enough. But, but I, was, I tried and it's one of the biggest regrets of my life that I spent too long sort of with my fingertips on the windowsill ledge, right. being constantly reminded of why I wasn't good enough. Right. And actually, there were some incredible friends I had in the weirdo set, yeah. which is where, frankly, my natural home was. Yeah. And I sort of, it's so interesting that you think, actually, looking back, I think those things that make you feel a bit strange can be channeled often and certainly have in your case into what makes you slightly stand out and I agree but I think you have to go through that phase of hating them I don't see any way around it and I think 
it's really easy for you to have that regret, but you probably couldn't have lived it in a different way. Yeah. Because if you'd been, instead of having your fingertips on the window, turning around to everyone in the room and going, hey, you're my guys, you would have found something else to rail against or something else to try and change. Because I think teenage years are the time that you are really tested. It's really yeah. grim. And it's easy to forget how... I used to try and change my personality. I used to think, oh, I feel like if I, I felt like I felt like I never knew how to like communicate with popular girls. Like I'd, and mum said to me once, just say I like your, then whatever, anything. I like your ring, I like your skirt, I like your, I often used to do that, I like your hair, I like your top. Oh, no. <laughs> you know what? Imagine it's so sweet if I just came up to you and said, I like your shoes. Yeah, well, I do that now. So I have a rule, and I did this the other day. If I'm walking along, and it's a dress now, if I see a woman or a man, yeah. I'd do it to a man too, anyone, in a dress that I love, have to really love the dress, I will stop them and say, I love your dress. Because I think if you've put a dress on and you, mm. I think it's a lovely thing. And I will always do it. And I did it in Cardiff Station about a week ago. I ran up to this woman in a silk dress and I said, I absolutely love your dress. I love the colours of it. And she was like, thank you. And she stopped in her tracks and Alice was like, oh my God. And I said, no, yeah. I have this rule now. I will always do that. She'll talk about that forever. You know, I, I, did, I love that, Eugene. It's very um, putting good energy out. I like mm. that man's outfit, it's very easy to go and tell him then. I know. <laughs> he won't believe me. No, it's he looks yeah, like he looks like Italian football manager. Yeah. He's a bit he's got a whole tracksuit on it that's matching and that's actually really hard to pull off, isn't it? Don't you think? And it also it could have cost a tenner and it could have cost a grand <laughs> and I just wouldn't know. But I it makes me I find stories like that. Sort of heartbreaking, but also oddly reassuring in a way, because mm. you realise that, you know, I mean, you wanted to belong, didn't you? Mm. And that's sort of all everyone wants, is someone to say, I like you, essentially. And when you're a kid, there's no way of saying that, is there? There's no way of saying, uh, you know, will you be my friend? Will you like me? No, I, yeah, absolutely. And the same with relationships. Like, I remember I had my first boyfriend when I was eight and he was ten no sorry I was ten and he was eight and that was my first kiss that was, uh, was we Frenchied behind the canteen he was eight and I was ten I know the way I got him to kiss me was to go up to him and go I love you do you love me because I didn't understand and I think it's the same with friends when you're young it's like please be my friend it's like everything's you want that assurance yeah. don't you that that you're not alone I suppose which is what we want later in life as well through friends or family or lovers or whatever but I think it's a lot simpler when you're younger yeah. or pets and and do you think when you would go up to those girls and say oh I like your dress or how did it go sometimes it was fine but sometimes they were a bit confused and I remember going to ballet and saying to someone I like your ring and she was like oh you know because it it would just come out of the blue. It wasn't like a natural thing. I was just seeing because mum had told me that was the way to make friends. Yeah. And I also remember that I remember this as well. When we moved from Chesant to Matlock, which was quite a long way, um, when I was six, we moved in the summer holidays and I had no friends. And it was before the internet, obviously. And we put a sign in the window saying, six-year-old girl needs 
children to play with please knock at the door and no one knocked at all for the whole six weeks and I used to look out of the window and um, and just look at all these kids walking past and oh no Izzy. one no one knocked <laughs> oh, but was your sister were you close to your sister um yeah we're like we're quite different we we got on really well she's got a brilliant sense of humor mm. um she works in the financial sector and is very different from me but i think we've both got this love of order and thoroughness and I quite like the satisfaction. I quite like stand-up and I quite like writing. And I like acting as well for this reason, actually, in the way that you do a job and then it's done. Mm. And when you write a stand-up show, it's finished. And you can say, I did that and now it's done and I'm moving on. Certainly the same with the book, same with the show, really. Um, but the reason I like stand-up and writing is because it's kind of very a, a solo thing. Um, go this way. Um, oh, and think I think she's really? got the same thing. I think she quite she's good with numbers, and she quite likes that thing of like, right, that goes there. That's that. That's that sum, and that's finished. And yeah, um, so we're you... both quite anal. Is what I'm trying oh, to say. Really? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I actually had lunch with my accountant yesterday, who's really lovely, and my friend Polly, and um, he was saying that I am the most organised person like especially compared to Ellis because he's got the same accountant he basically delivers his receipts about once every five years in a sock you know Um, and I have got an excel sheet with every single payslip national insurance equity pension VAT total paid date and um, my accountant was yeah I mean, he couldn't really say you are the most, because he's got some discretion, but I was like, am I the most organised client you've got? And he was sort of had a glint in his eye, like, I was saying, actually, I don't think I need to send you that Excel sheet. Like, <laughs> so I think my sister and I both have got that. We take great pleasure from, like, ordering things and, wow, that's amazing. This is, um, Izzy's impressed by Ray's water bottle. I wonder if that's... Partly to do with, I always think people who have a parent who is science-y or, do you know what I mean, maths-y yeah. or uh, that way inclined, that doesn't feel such an unnatural way to be, does it? I mean, it's absolutely no. brilliant way to be. I'm, I'm really jealous. But I sometimes think I could lighten up a bit. By the way, when I say that I've had lunch with my accountant, I won't make me sound like Robbie Williams or something. I'm like, but it's literally that we were in the same area and we really love him and he's like an uncle to us. Yeah, no, I do know what you mean. Yeah, but sometimes I think, like even yesterday, I was like, I don't think I need to do this Excel sheet. Why and I said to them, why can't I just let it go? Like, why can't I just... But I can't. I really actually love doing yeah. it. It's quite chaotic in a way, yeah. the, the the arts industry using it in its loosest term, isn't it? Like, um, and being freelance and stuff. And I sometimes wonder if it's a way of kind of exerting control over some element of it. And also things can, you can get off of things last minute, can't you? And you can kind of, whereas somehow it's going like, right, I'm going to make a cup of tea and I'm going to do my accounts. I quite, yeah, <laughs> I quite like it. <laughs> Look, he's looking at you, is he? Aww. It's like he's waiting for a story. Do you think he, like, how much, not, like, do you think he understands you and do you, like, if you yeah. read him a story, would he, like... When you say if you... <laughs> so, you you were saying that was interesting, that you wanted to um, 
you felt that need to sort of, you know, to go to the big city, essentially. And was that because I get the impression you always wanted to perform? You know, a lot of people are like, oh, it just happened, whereas you always felt this is what yeah, I Yeah, no, do. it was the opposite. Like, it was absolutely always the focus. I can't ever remember wanting to do anything else, anything else. Apart from, I jumped off a bridge for a one-pound bet when I was 13 into a river and broke my ankle. And uh, I wanted to be a tennis champion for about two weeks after that because I lay on the sofa watching Wimbledon because of my ankle. And I only really wanted to be a tennis player because I wanted to make people laugh on the court between shots. Then I realised I couldn't play tennis and went back to the original plan. Like, that is the only time I've deviated from it. Performing was your thing, Izzy, wasn't it? I guess Always. So. And writing. I used to write little sketches and the songs and stuff. Um, but from a really, really young age, from where, whenever I can remember, it was just... I want to be a star. IJ's going to be a star. <laughs> and what did your parents think of this? And they were very supportive, but they had to make sure that I worked hard at it. Like they, I don't think they would have liked it if I'd not known what I wanted to do and then suddenly gone, I'm going to be an actress, but I haven't done any acting, but I fancy that at kind of 17. I, I worked, I went to youth theatre, I was in school plays. I really w- was addicted to it. And... Um, I think they were quite worried that I wouldn't have an income. And I did a secretarial course. I took a year out because I didn't get into any drama schools. I was forced to take a year out. And I just stayed in Matlock and did plays and did a secretarial course, but just gave up after a couple of months. So I just wanted to do plays, amateuratic plays, local youth theatres, this thing at Dolly Playhouse, like a community theatre thing. I would do absolutely anything that I could do. I just wanted to perform and, and write songs and perform the songs. Um, and so I think they could see that I was really serious. And I worked mm. really hard at college. I was like, did extra tap lessons. I was always on time. I was so scared of getting kicked out of drama school because they used to kick people out if they were late. And if yeah. they, and I was doing sort of nine till 5.30 every day. And all my other mates at uni were kind of like, oh, I had eight hours of lectures this week. And I'd be like, I've just done, you know, a full day and then extra rehearsal. I just loved it. I did love it. And I went to a really musical theatre drama school. I went to Guildford School of Acting and it's quite kind of tits and teeth. Um, but I left without an agent and I left, you know, some people in my year had got agents and I, I didn't. I, and I just applied the old Excel sheet regime to PCR, production and casting report, which I got every week. My mum would get those. Really? Well, she'd get them and she'd read them out and she'd go, oh, what about this? And my sister was like, no, mum, you're not Italian, you're not 25. You're yeah, not exactly, like she'd put yeah. up for anything. Can you play the harp? <laughs> yeah. So you'd get the part. I'd get PCR for. and then I would just send out for anything that was remotely... Um, within my remit and then I would also send out 50 CVs a week to agents and then it was before the internet really was being used so I used to send out paper CVs and then every day these returned CVs and photos would plonk onto the welcome mat and we had a wall in the kitchen because we were all actors with um, I don't think any of us had agents all in our very early 20s we had this wall in the kitchen with the best rejection letters (laughs) we used to pin them up and draw like horrible pictures on them and write horrible it was brilliant it was like really cathartic but I was just like absolutely always putting every single feeler out it was like you're quite a grafter aren't you yeah I think it's interesting because sometimes women get discouraged from saying they're ambitious but I I like to encourage women to embrace that side of themselves yeah it's weird isn't it it feels like we have to apologize for it 
Um, Did you ever feel that? No. And like, believe me, I felt like I've had to apologise for a lot in my life. That sounds really dramatic. What I mean is like any woman, I've kind of gone, I wish I was thinner. I wish I hadn't, I wish I hadn't slept with that guy. I don't mean that I've gone round kind of going, I can do anything I want at all. I saw, you know... And I suffer from imposter syndrome, like most comics do at times, and sort of go, I shouldn't be doing this gig, I'm not. But mm. I have never, ever, ever wavered from what I want to do. And I've always worked really hard. And I've always said I work really, really hard. And I prepare really thoroughly as well. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I just can't. But I think, again, I could probably let a bit of that go. Maybe in a way it's me kind of go, trying to cling on to some control but I'd rather be like that than yeah. rock up to something and be like oh I haven't learned my lines I haven't I can see that in you actually it's a sort of slightly more forensic quality which I I like a lot of people do it in secret but they don't fess up to it yeah that's true it's almost seen as like it's cooler isn't it to be <laughs> like and and same with exams like were yeah. there those people at your school who were like I haven't done any revision I'm just gonna and then you find out that they did absolutely loads yeah that was me Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I believed them and didn't. I always maintain I would have got an A for A level English lit, uh, English language instead of a B if we hadn't spent all night on the phone to boys we'd met at Centre Parks from Wellington College. <laughs> we're called Ed and Marius, and we were like, we stayed at my best mate's house the night before our English language A level, and we were like, let's ring Ed and Marius. It was supposed to be revising. We just stayed on the phone to them all night and then did our. It's and my mum's always like, you would have got an A if it hadn't been for Ed and Marius. <laughs> Tell me, we have, we need to talk uh, about your fabulous book. Um, but to bring us up to that point, I just want to know, with comedy, you went straight into, well, I say you went straight into, but you started doing stand-up, didn't you? And that's, I always think people that do that are so ballsy. Well, I... So, yeah, I graduated and did all the PCR stuff and then had been doing the songs. So had, when I was at college, I started to do, I suppose, comedy songs, which happened kind of by accident. I just did what I thought was a reasonably serious song, but in a French accent mm. and made everyone laugh. And that was such a, a brilliant feeling. That was the first time I'd made people laugh with a thing that I'd written. And, um, but when I graduated, I didn't do stand up till for two years. I was just doing theatre and education and kind of fringe theatre and stuff and lots and lots of jobs like cleaning, working in call centres and stuff, bar jobs. And then um, I started going out with another stand-up and then I saw loads and loads of stand-ups suddenly. So I was going to gigs almost every night of the week and watching his set change and watching him uh, read different rooms and, and stuff. And then I... At that point, I'd thought about performing a double act with my friend before then. But I, and I think I probably would have gone down the character comedy route mm. if I hadn't started going out with John. Um, and because of going out with him and then suddenly being the, in the immerse, immersed in the world of stand-up, I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try stand-up. So before that, I was watching these character comedy nights that were amazing. But I'm quite pleased that I went mm. the route that I did rather than doing a double act because I think... I am probably better on my own on stage. Um, you know, I've been doing stand-up for 19 years, which I can't believe. And I started doing stand-up again. I sort of stopped in 2016 because I had a young, very young child who I didn't really want to be away from at night. Then had another kid in 2019. And now I'm just going, right, I wanted to start doing a few gigs again. 
and I've put down the guitar, which is and it's the first time I perform without the guitar f since about 2004. Um, and the other night I was like, I'm not going to take it. I'm just going to do new material without. And it was an absolute revelation. I had to, me and Ellis had to practice how I'd hold the mic because I'm, I'm I don't ever hold the mic. I'm just with behind it with the guitar. So that's a bit I, of an element of it being a safety blanket. In I a way. think well, I was thinking this earlier. Certainly physically, mm. I feel like because you've got the guitar in front of you, you can lean on it. You can kind of finger pick under um, stories, or you can. Mm. So. I think so. Maybe in um, a less straightforward way mm. than kind of are the songs, but certainly physically. And perhaps, you know, like if you end on a song, you know you're going to get a round of applause, even if it hasn't gone yeah. that well. And believe me, they've done plenty of gigs where, you know, like uni gigs especially, where yeah. I've died hard, but you still know that if you end on a song, people will automatically clap. Yeah. So there was something quite, I felt like I was on the edge of a cliff. I was like, I'm not <laughs> going to do a song at the end. Oh my God, oh my God. And um, I'm going to do a gig tonight and I'm not... I emailed him on the way here and said, I don't think I'm going to bring the guitar. But I just had this feeling of if the room's big, I feel like a certain responsibility to play a song. But it's a new material night, so I don't think I will. I'm going to do, try and do 20 minutes of new. So it never ends, that excitement. And yeah. I don't think you should lose that. I think you can tell stand-ups who've kind of lost that joy at, at yeah. discovering whether a joke works or not and why. It, and I imagine Frank is a bit like this that he will dissect something and if it doesn't quite work he'll go if I swap that word around it'll work and you know that is the joy of it there's a mathematical element to it and most stand-ups really adore that that I think um, but at the beginning you do just I think you just have to want to do it enough to endure those deaths I think that's all you just get addicted to it and then the fact that you've died on stage becomes less relevant than what you can learn from having died. Does it become easier since, as most people will know, you know, obviously your, been very, your TV work has been really celebrated now, and uh, when you played Dobby and Peep show, was that, that 2005? Am I getting that right? Yeah, yeah maybe a bit late in 2008. Yeah, yeah, 2008. So when you played Dobby and Peep show, obviously that kind of broke you in terms of being a name I suppose and getting recognised a lot does that how does that affect your work now and your stand-up specifically you know do, do you yeah. think that it gives you an easier not an easier time but when you walk into a room is it nice sure. in a way that everyone's like oh it's oh it's easy. maybe like I feel like now it doesn't really have that much effect and I suppose it's because peep show feels like quite a long time ago and um, I feel like now I'm used to the feeling that I, when I first was on Peep Show, it, it didn't make, it actually, I feel like it made it harder and easier at the same time. I started getting booked to do slots I wasn't quite ready for because of Peep Show. So I'd be closing gigs that I just wasn't really ready to close. I wasn't good enough. Um, and that was a bit of an odd feeling. If you were on after and getting paid more than someone better than you, but who had less of a profile at that yeah. time. I just felt guilty and weird about it. Um, but generally, um, no, I mean, I think I felt like, it, maybe early on I felt like I should address it, but then I just don't now. I'm like, mm. God, I'm just me. I don't really think about it. What's weird is... Do people come up to you, Izzy, a lot and still say, do you get called Dobby and things still? Yeah, a bit, but I really like... I Now more I get, they come up and like they might say, oh, I liked... Or like man down or something yeah. or 
oh my radio if I ever get my radio show I'm like oh my god thank you that means right, so yeah, much because yeah, yeah. I worked so hard on it and but yeah like yeah not as much as I don't get people coming up saying Dobby as much as I did when it was on it, it's quite nice sometimes but especially as when I used to go out in East London it was sometimes a bit like it's if you're drunk and you feel like you can't relax because someone might be listening to what you're yes. saying and stuff yeah yeah that's true I always remember that when I was when my dad was dying I came home on the train from Derby to London and um oh there's a rat how does he feel about oh, rats? I, think, I don't I don't really like rats. Shall we move? You? Can we no, move? Oh God, no. I mean, I'm just who likes rats? Of them. Where is it? It went, don't worry, it went under that. It went towards the pond. We don't like rats, me and Ray. No, well, I don't. Can <laughs> I be in your not liking rats club, please? Um, oh, yeah, so my dad, was, my dad was very ill. My dad was dying. I'd been, I was coming back to London. Um, and I had like a really long conversation with my sister that contained lots of private stuff and then... Um, and this actually happened more than once at that time. I think my uh, guard was really down. Um, so it happened twice on the train back to London on the separate occasions. And it happened in a cafe that I was talking to people about dad. And then someone who'd been sitting there for a while and heard the whole conversation was, was like, are you Izzy? Oh, can I get a selfie? And then I was like, fuck. God, I've just said stuff that I wouldn't even say to. Yeah. So that was the worst being recognised period, if you know what I mean. Because I, I, I'm quite bad at, you know, you meet like, so it's quite odd the level of, um, oh God, I don't want to say fame, but being known that yeah, being I've got yeah because yeah. um, it's not every day and also sometimes people look at you and you can see that they've sort of clocked you but mm. they don't come up and but it's quite a quite a nice level and I feel really satisfied with this level and I definitely wouldn't really want it to go much higher than this whereas I always think people like Madonna or like Beyonce or something they must have to be so guarded all the time. Mm. If they were on a train, which they probably wouldn't be, they're probably in a private jet or something, <laughs> but, you know, or even, you know, the Beckhams probably go first class on a train. You can't talk about mm. anything. You, you're, it's exhausting. It must be, I just would just hate it. Yeah. You, you must have a, such a small circle of people you can trust. And I just would hate to live like that. Well, I, I wanted to say, actually, I remember, Izzy, you sent me... I'd met you a few times. We met through Frank Skinner, who's a mutual friend of ours, and you sent me a really lovely message when um, my dad died, I think, and you just said, oh, I just heard, and I understand, and if you want to talk, and I just thought it was so lovely. I thought, God, what a compassionate thing to do, and I really wanted to thank you for that. Oh, thanks. I well god it's fine it still stands it doesn't um it, it my my dad died on boxing day 2011 and i can't believe that's nearly 10 years ago i don't think it really i remember someone well-meaning saying to me about three months after dad had died do you still think about it every day or are you able to get on with things and it was like oh my god that's like he's like in the in my blood he's in my he's sort of with me all the time the idea that i would have a day where it didn't cross my do you know what i mean but they haven't been through it and i think um 
it still stands. I don't think it, 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 it's a weird thing, isn't it? It changes as time goes on, perhaps, but then sometimes I feel like I'm still as shocked as I did the day yeah. it happened. It's a very beautiful dog. Oh, thank you. He, he's good with kids, actually, because yeah. he's, he's not really like a dog. Why are yeah. you? Should we put him on the ground and you can see him? This is Raymond. Ah, hello, Raymond. Hello, Raymond. Can you put your hand up like that? See if he wants to say hello. He's very gentle. Do you want to touch his fur? He's very soft. <laughs> he's stroking. Oh, he's sitting down. <laughs> very well, babe. Isn't he lovely as well? Do you like him? Yeah. You can take him or leave him, really. <laughs> <laughs> you know. That's his standard. It's all right. How are you today? You've had better dogs. Right. <laughs> oh, it's nice to meet you. What's your name? What's your name, darling? Rufus. 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 What a great name. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So you say bye-bye. Thank you for letting us say hello to Rufus. <laughs> bye, Rufus. Bye, Rufus. Bye. Bye. Nice to meet you. Come on, Raymond. I want to talk about Jane is trying. And it's so brilliant, is he? And I absolutely loved it. It's one of those books that you just race through it. It's, you're, it's so funny and you're so gifted at character. And one of the reasons I loved it is because she's complicated, but not in the sort of traditional way that women are expected to be, if I'm honest, in a lot of literature, which yeah. is kind of like, oh, you're so kooky. Or you're so, yeah. Whereas yeah. it's like, no, she's just a real person. And... You haven't tried to airbrush her, you know? Yeah, good. good. That's, I really wanted that to be the case. I, wanted, I, I read two books about how to write a novel before I wrote the novel and then thought, I've got to stop reading books about how to write novels and just write the bloody novel. Um, <laughs> yes, that can be a full-time yeah, job, no. can't it? <laughs> it's like I'd written one book that was sort of, in a sense, a bit like a novel, wasn't it? The actual one. Not, it wasn't a novel, but it had a beginning, middle and end. And I was like, I actually learned some really, really good stuff, especially for a book called Take Off Your Pants by um, Libby Hawker which is a, an American book about how to write and it's very very basically explained it's so good and she just uses Pocahontas and things like that as, oh, as wow. illustrations no bullshit it was brilliant and um, so but one of the main things that I picked up from these two books about how, how, how to write a novel was not to be scared of making the main character flawed and I think that previously whenever I'd written anything including lots of pilot scripts and things um, the main character was always kind of maybe a little bit um, kind of what am I doing with my life but essentially lovable and kind and all that and I thought right I'm actually going to make her she's probably going to be a bit annoying at times <laughs> and that was so liberating and it felt like she was more real yeah. because actually we are all quite complicated aren't we and I think in some ways you know she's got OCD yeah. she's got health anxiety she's also pretty confident at her job a bit arrogant about yeah. her copywriting um there's a point at which she's incredibly stubborn as well yeah. in terms of inflexible yeah about, i've made my mind up about something yeah and this is how it's, but it just felt like a real family i was reading about you know and her life felt real and when i wrote the book 
I imagined going back to my old mum and dad's house when I was writing Jane's environment and stuff. So, so when I used to go back, I didn't feel like Jane does when she goes back. At, my mum and dad weren't, didn't mollycoddle me like I think they do. But the layout of the house is exactly the same and it was really lovely to remember yeah. my parents' old house and how it was um, when I was writing it. Your characters are real people and they're funny, you know, and I always think comics, people who've done this for a living, you're 10,000 hours, they, in some ways, they've slightly got a head start on everyone else, frankly, because you've just, you command language, but also you understand the choices you make. Do you know what I mean, you're good yeah, at making choices. I, I, think that, I think doing Edinburgh really helps with that because you're kind of faced with a blank canvas and you think, what should I do an Edinburgh show about? And then you have to make decisions quite quickly because of the deadline, yeah. hang it on something and just do it. Well, I want everyone to buy your book because honestly, it's, um, it's just brilliant. It's one of those books, like I say, that you just feel so immersed in it. And I felt really sad when it ended. I hope you write another one. Oh, thanks. I, I want think to know I... what happens to her. Well, I think she'll be all right. <laughs> I feel like, thank you. I've just read um, uh, a book called A Bit of a Stretch by Chris Atkins who it's brilliant it's about his time in Wandsworth Prison he's a documentary maker who got imprisoned for sort of fraud to do with acquiring money to make a documentary and it's diaries of his time inside and I love reading I read all the time I'm reading Liam Williams's book Homes and Experiences as well which is fantastic yeah, but I don't I Jay, I don't want to promote that hey books. but listen um, sorry my point was going to be <laughs> then the other day I thought maybe because I was reading the prison book I thought <laughs> I thought maybe Jane should go to prison like maybe it should be something really weird because mum bless her because she liked it as I say I mean when I was in the sound of music mum was like you were adequate like she's always really honest um oh was that at school yeah when I was 16 at, um that was a um, Matlock Operatic Society you were adequate we're gonna let you go because you've got a gig tonight but I need to ask you before we go about Ellis, just yeah. very briefly. You're so suited and you seem such a lovely couple. What is it, tell me about when you met him and why, why does it work? Um, we met at a gig in Barnstaple and um, he was late, he was comparing. He's a, a well he doesn't do stand up as much now. He is a, a broadcaster. You know on our son's birth certificate, he put his profession as a broadcaster and then he walked round behind the guy's computer to check that he'd written broadcaster. I was like, what has happened to you? Anyway, he's he got does a show on Five Live with John Robbins. And brilliant. He does lots of other bits and bobs, mm. doesn't he? He does a um, brilliant show. And he does a podcast called The Socially Distanced Sports Bar as well. Um, so yeah, when we met, we were doing a lot of stand-up and we met at a gig. He was late and he'd spilt Ribena all down himself in the car and was absolutely covered. He looked, uh, I just thought, this guy is great. He had this cagoule <laughs> covered in Ribena. <laughs> and he left it behind and I smelt it. I haven't thought about this since. And it smelt really strongly of his aftershave. And I loved it. And then he came back. I, I think I might have sent him a message on Facebook saying I've got your cagoule and he came back to get it. But then his relationship status on Facebook said in a relationship. So I was like, okay, he's in a relationship, fine. You know, that's that. Yeah. Um, and then, but we kept Facebook messaging each other. Um, just sort of nothing you know, just sort of, hi, how's it going? Oh, he did a gig near Matlock, blah, blah, blah. And then I did a gig in Cardiff, um, and he lives in Cardiff, and um, 
then we sort of we we sort of got together but then there was a thing of like he lives in Cardiff I live in London it was very innocent it was very lovely we spent a lot of time on the phone to each other and it felt like we were like teenagers we just couldn't stop talking on the phone and then he moved to London quite quickly I guess um but he he went to Australia as soon as we met um, for three months that would have made me very sick yeah it was grim so I went weirdly the only, I don't really like gigging abroad but I went I went for two weeks to do Sydney Arts Festival first then we were back for something like nine days and then he went for three and a half months to Melbourne and then a tour of the Outback doing stand-up um, and we used to Skype each other every day and I felt like love sick I felt like sick all the time because I wasn't with him I felt like yeah, and I can't, almost can't listen to music that I, I used to listen to a song by Dizzy Rascal, which I still love, but it reminds me so much of um, Missing Ellis that it's almost too much to bear to listen to it. Um, so yeah, and that, that was in 2010. You don't seem like arguers. No, but I think, nah, yeah, I think lockdowns, like I definitely didn't I'm I think I'm an extrovert although I like a bit of time on my own I can't be with people all the time but I don't need much time on my own it's just like a little top up of self yeah kind of um but he doesn't really need people to be honest does he not no so when we were locked down that was you know at times I think it was hard because I wanted to chat and I wanted and then I also got bored of him because I would have got bored of anyone who I was living with because they because it's just one person I think I need to see lots of different people and he just literally needed, needed a book and didn't really need me what would he say about you Izzy I'm interested if someone said oh what's what's the thing with Izzy I think he'd say that I think he'd say that I yeah I know what you mean I think he'd say that I chat too much at, at night because I think he's always winding down at night and that's like my time to get going so I often try and start like quite deep chats at like 11 30 p.m and he's like no more chatting he actually says no more chatting and then he just won't reply um uh what i think he'd say that i'm kind i think he'd say that i'm a bit of a warrior like i think as i've got older i think it's also being a parent to two young children and all the logistics that that comes with as well as the emotional stuff i think um that has perhaps made me a bit more quick to snap um yeah, yeah. we still I, have a lot of fun like we and we try not, i try and have a lot of fun as a family because i think that i really can't remember doing things like all singing songs together when i was a kid so i i try and sort of have as much fun as possible all four of us do you see yourself in your kids a lot yeah and um, um, so my son is only two so it's hard to tell at, at this stage i suppose but um but betty is six and yeah she's she's funny and she is I think probably going to go into performing I, but maybe not um, I'm not certainly not going to push it but um, yeah I, and we look alike which I think makes makes a difference sort of I'm going to let you down Ray you've got to let Izzy go soon I often ask people on this before I let them go before I liberate them I'm interested in what makes people cry and sort of the last time they cried. So, oh, yeah, how okay. did you last cry? <sighs> um, was it when you were told that I was bringing a dog today? 
it's all right. No. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It must have been a TV yeah. thing. Um, I want to... Because I cry quite easily. A lot of people say they cry more easily since they've become parents almost. Just yeah, that's true. Sort of getting upset by news. Oh, I and... know when it was. I was, yeah, um, I, was go- I went to a wedding uh, last week and... I told you I not told... to go to your ex's wedding. No, exactly. <laughs> no, you, you didn't invite me. I still went. I wore a white dress. It was the only one in the wardrobe. Uh, I went to a wedding last week that was absolutely fantastic. Mm. Um, but uh, I, the day before I said to my daughter that the childminder was picking her up and taking her home, um, who she adores, but I think she just finds it a bit harder since oh. lockdown to, she wants the routine of us being there in the evenings. And so she started hysterically crying and was like, please don't go, mommy, please. I beg of you, please don't go. I don't mind you going out in the evening for work, but I feel really abandoned. Why can't kids come? Please don't go. Um, and uh, I couldn't calm her down. Um, and then it was, yeah, then I cried then because oh, I just felt so guilty and so yeah. sad and like I was letting her down. But you know what? I think that. I think she will have seen that it upset you and she doesn't understand about work and things, but I think that's so lovely that she has that kind of bond with you and Yeah, I agree. Like I think, and also I really don't go out that, that, like I go, now I've started gigging again. I'm like, it's tricky because I want to, because I I need, I really do love seeing people Mm. um, regardless of COVID. Like Mm. it it would be like this anyway, but I think also I am a bit starved of it. It's weird, isn't it? Because you think, oh, we've been locked down for so long. I've got to make up for lost time. But really, I mean, how long does it take to make up for lost time? If you go out every night for two weeks, surely then you've made up for, I think, anyway, for me. Um, but stuff like I go around and watch Married at First Sight Australia at my friends and um, throughout lockdown we did it in her garden and dragged her TV to like the door of her summer house thing at the end of her garden and drank cans of G&T and ate Maltesers in sleeping bags and it was like so brilliant mm. and now I can go in her house and watch it and we only do it about once a month but it's stuff like that I, I was also crying because I was thinking, I'm not going to be able to watch Married at First Sight anymore. Now I've started gigging again. I'm not. Oh, it's brilliant. (laughs) I get a good vibe about your family setup. I think it sounds lovely. And you know what? I'm so glad that we took Ray out today because I know you're not a fan, but I feel feel it's been quite good. Oh, I think it has been good. Do you know what I've learned? are that all dogs are not the same and maybe it's to do with me getting to know the dog and then making a decision I don't have to love them if I don't feel like I don't but I do love him hey man Lizzie loves you I really hope you enjoyed listening to that and do remember to rate review and subscribe on iTunes <laughs>